fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Welcome to Wednesday, February the 28th, 2024. It's The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. So glad to be with you today. We have a jam-packed show today, and I know, I know you're going to want to call in. You're going to want to have a take on what we will be talking about. A lot of things, we're going to start off with what Jordan Peterson said about the state of the Catholic Church. So let me get out the phone number right now. This is our listener line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. You can also email the show. Become a shadow producer. Send me a link. Send me a show idea. I'd love to hear from you guys. The address is K-L-C-A-L-E at relevantradio.com. And you can also find me on the X app at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E. And speaking of the X app, uh, there was an interesting clip. We'll, we'll put a link to this in the show notes from Joshua Charles, who's a convert to Catholicism, former speechwriter for the White House. Really interesting. He, he's got an excellent Twitter feed on evidences uh, arguments for Catholicism. He posted a little snippet from a an interview that Dr. Jordan Peterson did with Colm Flynn, Vatican correspondent for EWTN News. And and this is interesting. Obviously, as you know, I interviewed Tammy Peterson, Jordan's wife, recently right here on the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio. She's going to be entering the Catholic Church this Easter at the Vigil. And uh, I've got some really exciting news about that as well. I'm going to be talking to Tammy as well when she comes into the church. So I, I can't wait uh, for that. So more details on that in the coming days. But of course, Jordan Peterson right now, and, and he's, he's, he has obviously a front row seat to the spiritual journey of his wife. I'm sure he's thinking about that. I'm sure he's t- having lots of conversations at home with her about that. But he is also in the midst of a book tour. Now, the book itself has not come out yet. This is uh, in support of his forthcoming book, We Who Wrestle With God. And you might have seen that uh, if you check out his website, he is crisscrossing the United States right now. And if he's in a city near you, you might want to go out and check out one of these presentations. I, I find it really interesting that in, in a world that's just dominated by technology and bells and whistles, so to speak, AI, movies, just immersive tech, things like the Vision Pro, at the end of the day, one man on a stage can still pack an arena just just to hear what this guy has to say. It's it's a it's an incredible phenomenon. So here's what Jordan Peterson had to say about the state of the Catholic Church. So we'll have a listen. There's a lot to unpack, and then you and I will talk about it. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Here's Jordan Peterson in conversation with Colin Flynn. When we look at the Catholic Church and its decline in recent years. less young people are going, less people signing up for a religious life. And since, you could say, the 60s... Well, if it's all guitar and hippies, who the hell cares? But (laughs) since since Vatican II, let's Mm. say, in the 60s, the church has been aiming to be more relevant, more welcoming. So it's... What's the problem? That's not working. It's It's shallow, obviously. Shallow and contemptible. No, it's supposed to be an invitation to the great adventure of life. What's the great adventure of life? Pick up your cross and follow me. Like, that's a hell of an invitation. But that's the invitation. And the church lost faith in that. We have to be relevant. 
Well, what's more relevant than that? Mm. As soon as you say that you need to be more relevant than that, what you're doing technically is putting something else above that. Well, that's not going to work, not if the original proposition was correct. And obviously the original proposition is correct. You might say, well, why obviously? Okay, well, Christ faced and triumphed over death and hell. And you might say, well, why is that relevant? And the answer is, because that's what you have to do. Right, and everyone, you're stuck with it. So is the Catholic Church not challenging people enough Definitely now? not, not enough, not by any stretch of the imagination. The gateway to paradise is barred by the cherubs who have swords that flame and turn every which way. Well, what does that mean? It means it's hard to get into the club, man. Anything that isn't worthy gets cut and burned away. Well, of course, that's hell, especially if you resist it. Really. And there's no sugarcoating that, and that isn't what people want anyways. Young people want an adventure. Why the hell do you think they're so concerned with saving the planet? I don't see, for the life of me, what the Catholic Church has to do with climate crisis. Just the formulation is wrong. The priority is wrong. You save the world one person at a time. It, it lacks faith in its own mission. Wow. Wow. That, that is a searing hot take from Jordan Peterson on the state of the Catholic Church. And there, there, like I said, there's, there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot to unpack here in that short clip, and I'm sure that you have a take on this as well. Do you agree with him? Do you disagree with him? 888 So he started off at the beginning talking about, he said, quote, if the church is all guitars and hippies, who the age cares? Who the age cares? And believe me, when you see that, if you see that, we'll put a link to this again in the show notes, but when you see the video version of this interview, the expressions that Jordan Peterson has on his face, the eye rolls. I, I wish you could see them. I mean, they're just classic. Guitars and hippies. Ah, folk masses. Folk masses. The bane of my existence. But, but of course, uh, this is pointing at a, a much, much deeper issue. He doesn't think the church is doing enough to emphasize this great invitation from, from Jesus. The, the great adventure of life, he calls it. Pick up your cross and follow me. If you're trying to, quote-unquote, be relevant, if you're trying to put something else above this message of picking up the cross and following Jesus, then you're on the wrong track. You're absolutely on the wrong track. And, and it's, I found it really interesting what he said, too. One of the reasons why he thinks this is important, that Jesus conquered sin, death, the devil, the grave, uh, through his resurrection, he triumphed over all this because we have to do this as well. We, we really have to do this as well. We have to pick up our own cross. In Luke's version of this uh, statement, uh, there's this emphasis on picking up our own crosses daily. We have to do it every single day as we follow Jesus. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149, toll-free line, if you want to have a take on this. So do you agree with this? And I... And I, I what he was saying there reminded me of something else. Uh, another famous writer back in 1937 who wrote something very striking, very similar. I'll talk, tell you about him in just a second. But he then went on to say, Jordan Peterson, that the Catholic Church is simply not challenging people 
they're not really challenging people. He talked about, of course, the image of the angel with a flaming sword uh, protecting the entrance to the Garden of God in the book of Genesis. It's he said, and again, I, the look on his face was pretty intense when he said this. It's hard to get into the club, man, as he said. And he talked about the narrow gate. Jesus spoke about this as well in the Sermon on the Mount. And then he started talking about young people wanting adventure in life. And I, and I, I do agree with this, that it, I find this is especially true among young people. And it's anecdotal. I don't really have any stats to support this, but... I, I do think that young people respond more to a challenging vision of life than something that, that's made to be easy. Uh, we don't want to talk about the hard things. We don't want to talk about the question of sin. We don't want to talk about the cross. We don't want to talk about self-denial like so many prosperity preachers do on television. <laughs> this one guy, uh, I, I won't mention him by name, but he's he's pretty popular. He sells a lot of books. Um this congregation meets in a basketball stadium. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Uh, but I've never heard this guy mention the cross once or, or the idea of sin, that you need a redeemer. At any rate, this idea that the church is not challenging people enough. Do you agree with that? Now, obviously, I, I think he's making a general statement here. He's not talking about all pockets of the church, all sectors of the church. There are very, very notable exceptions to this. Some fantastic bishops, some fantastic leaders, and laity as well who are preaching the truth in all its clarity, the upward call of Christ Jesus, as St. Paul says in the New Testament. But young people want adventure. And then he, he, he started talking about, no, we didn't play the, the full clip, but he did start talking about uh, his disappointment, Jordan Peterson did, mentioning his disappointment with Vatican leadership, focused on what he calls the wrong thing. He said at one point, quote, you save the planet by saving people, not by worshiping Gaia, end of quote. Talking about climate change, talking about um, church documents that have come out uh, from Vatican leadership on this topic. And he also said, for the life of me, I don't get what the Catholic Church has to do with the climate crisis. End of quote. End of quote. And, uh, it should be pointed out, and I mentioned this before, that Pope Benedict also wrote a lot about the environment. Uh, having said that, having said that, you do kind of see where, what, you feel where Jordan is coming from here. He said, quote, you save the world one person at a time. That's how you save the planet. And of course, uh, things can get inverted for sure. Um, there is, in, in some extreme environmentalist I guess you could call them theologies because they, they seem to worship Holy Mother Earth instead of the one true and living God who created the heavens and the earth and all things. Extreme forms of environmentalism would see the human person as a blight upon the planet. But in fact, the universe was created for man. The universe was created for the human person. The human person is the pinnacle of creation, is the point of it all. And saving individual persons who are worth, according to Jesus, more than the entire world, more than the entire universe, one soul. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? What if he were to gain the whole world and yet lose his immortal soul? What will the profit end? Obviously nothing. It will be a great, great loss, an infinite loss. 
So I really want to know what you guys think about the comments from Jordan Peterson there on the State of the Church, 888-914-9149. One thing was, again, I want to just go back to one thing before I get to your calls, and you can call in right now, a couple open phone lines right now still, 888-914-9149. What he was saying, Jordan Peterson, when he was talking about how the church is not emphasizing this message of picking up the cross, the great adventure of life, he called it, picking up your cross and following Jesus. Don't put anything above that. And, and it's a good time to think about this, obviously, in the season of Lent where we talk about uh, penance more often. We talk about self-denial and picking up our own crosses. It really made me think about, uh, my mind went back to a book that was really uh, so seminal for me, so formational for me, even before I came back into the Catholic Church, and it was called The Cost of Discipleship. I don't know if you ever heard of this book, but it was written by the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, he was a, a Protestant Lutheran theologian, uh, theologian in Germany, and he was killed. He was hanged uh, for trying to overthrow the Nazis. He was kind of involved, I think, in this, in this plot, which was known as the July the 20th plot, which was uh, immortalized in film in 2008, the movie Valkyrie, starring Tom Cruise, uh, Klaus von Schaffenberg, uh, who tried to assassinate, it was part of a plot to try to assassinate Hitler. And uh, it didn't work, it nearly did, but a uh, powerful film. Anyways, um, he was hanged on the 9th of April, 1945, during the collapse of, of the Nazi regime. Uh, they just took out a few uh, political prisoners, um, as their cause was, was obviously uh, in tatters at that point. But the cost of discipleship, by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's kind of interesting that Jordan Peterson mentioned the narrow gate that's obviously in the Sermon on the Mount. The book, The Cost of Discipleship, is really kind of an exposition of the Sermon on the Mount, and, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer spelled out what, what he thought true discipleship was all about. What does it mean to follow Christ? And he wrote it in 1937 when the Nazis were on the rise, and it was kind of against this background. It, it just stands out so starkly, this idea of the cost of discipleship, as opposed to what he called Cheap grace. Cheap grace. So here, here's a couple of quotes I want to share with you from that book, because I think it's very much along the same lines as what Jordan Peterson was saying. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this in The Cost of Discipleship. He said, quote, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. I mean, that, that's pretty stark. It's not like he's saying, I promise you life, I promise you riches, I promise you a beach house on the Mediterranean. No, you can come and die. The cross is an instrument, an instrument of execution, obviously, and the Romans were so almost eloquent in, in, in their tortures, how the many, and there were, there, were, there were a lot of different ways that they crucified people, and I've read about them in the writings of Josephus, the Jewish historian, when the, when the, the great rebellion against Rome happened, in the war that took place between 66 and the year 70 in the first century, the Romans would crucify people in and around Jerusalem in all kinds of different ways, just for sport. And, and we wear, we wear obviously a, a cross, a crucifix very often as a piece of jewelry. It's kind of like, as one writer said, wearing an electric chair pendant around your neck. It, it's a call to die to yourself, to live the Christ life. And, and Bonhoeffer also said this, he said, discipleship is not an offer that man makes to Christ. In other words, we're not saying to Jesus, hey, you know what? I think we'll take you on as a savior. I think, I think you know, we've done some job interviews here. I've looked at all the various religions of the world, the various worldviews, and I, I think I'll, I'll go with you. 
I'll go with you on a trial basis. No, we're not making an offer to God here. We're not in a position to make any kind of an offer to God. This is reality. This is, in fact, the only way. And so, um, wow. Let me read just one more quote from Bonhoeffer, and then I'll get, get to your calls here. This is where he talks about cheap grace. And I think this is kind of what, not to put words in his mouth, but I think this is the kind of attitude that Jordan Peterson is upset about, that, that the church is not challenging people enough. He says, this is Bonhoeffer, quote, Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Costly grace is costly because it calls us to follow, and it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life, and it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin, and grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it cost God the life of his son, and what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. The price we are having to pay today in the shape of the collapse of the organized church is only the inevitable consequence of our policy of making grace available to all at too low a cost. We gave away the word and sacraments wholesale. We baptized, confirmed, and absolved a whole nation unasked and without condition. We preached the gospel in such a manner as to make men rest secure in their ungodly living. Is there some part of your life which you are refusing to surrender at his behest, at Christ's behest? Some sinful passion, maybe, or some animosity, some hope, perhaps your ambition or your reason. If so, you must not be surprised that you have not received the Holy Spirit, that your prayer is difficult, or that your request for faith remains unanswered. End of quote. Okay, the whole book is just straight fire like that. That's the cost of discipleship by... Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I think very much so, those, those comments uh, by Jordan Peterson on the state of the church, on, on the shallowness of the preaching of the gospel in some quarters, on the avoidance of the cross. It's not challenging people enough. I, I wonder if you agree or disagree. 888 We're going to take a quick, 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 quick break. We'll be right back with your phone calls. 888 It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. The gateway to paradise is barred by the cherubs who have swords that flame and turn every which way. Well, what does that mean? It means it's hard to get into the club, man. <laughs> Straight fire by Jordan Peterson in a recent interview. Really said, look, the church is not challenging people enough. The Catholic church has been a victim of shallow preaching. It's not inspiring people who are looking for, especially among the young, a sense of the great adventure of life, taking up our crosses and following Jesus. I'm, I'm super curious to hear what you think about this. We, we were talking a lot about this, played the clip, the extended clip from Jordan Peterson in the first part of the show. If you missed that, 
By all means, if you're just tuning in now, don't forget to download the podcast from the relevant radio app or from your podcast provider, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We are all over the place, and we want you to download and share with all your friends. Get the word out about the show. Welcome to the Kale Clark Show, segment two on this Wednesday, February the 28th. So uh, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts about this Jordan Peterson interview. Going to open up the phone lines right now, 888-914-9149. Let's go to Dominic in Glencoe, Minnesota. Hi, Dominic. Hi, Kale. So great to hear from you. <clears throat> and I'm glad you uh, talked about Bonhoeffer, too, because he also had some uh, strong opinions about the mm. Catholic Church and some of his writings. Uh, first off, I just I want to agree with some things that I think Jordan Peterson is saying. And I, So I was originally in the Twin Cities at a parish, uh, St. Mark's, that the Pro-Ecclesia Sancta, was, they were there, and they're, uh, they're really spreading out from, from they, they, their origin is in Peru, and they really, really you know, pushed you. And there was a lot of young people in that parish and just a lot of young energy and you know, if you were single, hey, consider re- religious life. If you're dating, hey, consider marriage. They, you know, really wanted wow. to push people into vocations. And, you know, there's so I saw a lot of fruit that they were doing events. And, um, and then I, and then my, my wife and I and family, we, um, switched to a diocesan parish. And, you know, we're so thankful, mm. amazing priests, but there is a lot more of like a, um, you, uh, you know, there's a lot less young people. A lot of things are different. Um, but there is a little bit less of that fire, I will say. Hmm. Um, that that we saw with the uh, with the Pro Ecclesia Santa. So there there is something there that I do agree with Jordan Peterson. Though I will, I do kind of disagree with a lot of a fair number of things that he's saying because. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christ, you know, at, at at the end that we've after we've done everything, what do we say? Like, uh, Lord, I'm your unworthy servant, and you know we're the drop of water and 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 the wine. It's we're. I mean, there's only so much we can do, and there's. You know the it's you know it's a free gift that that Christ offers us uh, to you know for those for his followers and um, so there yeah. there is something there that I kind of disagree with his fire that I I can see why he's really popular in some of his writings because he brings that energy and but there's there's the something passion. there you know what like and then um, feel free to pipe in too but Mother Teresa you know she said you know people are like oh what what do we do well go home and love your your families and yeah. and you know I'm a new dad and. And there's just there's so many small battles that that I think um, you know loving my family, loving my wife mm-hmm. uh, that yeah. are just so important and and then that matters so much. So and actually so and then one other thing about the climate thing. So I'm a, a plant scientist uh, by training, but I, I help people help the land uh, with with my line of work. So I'm helping farmers and hmm. and there's just something that's so important uh, to be good stewards of the land is and conserving the soil, things like that. That's that's helping generations to yeah. come. That's and there, there's so much. It's, it's so important to be a good steward of the land, and I think yeah. it, kind of, it kind of. It's not an either or. I mean, Dominic, it's not an either or, obviously. And uh, and thanks so much for your comments. A lot, a lot touched on a lot of issues there for sure. And um, I, I think I think his point was, um, you know, in terms of priorities, right? I mean, what's the the number one priority is saving people's eternal souls. And even even in Jesus's ministry when you when you read the gospels, like when you read the gospel of Mark, I mean he sometimes leaves a whole crowd of people behind that that have not got their healings yet. He he can't physically heal everybody 
that is there because he can only be in one place at one time when he's walking the earth. It's a little bit different now, of course, that he's ascended into heaven. We've got his Eucharistic presence as well. He's unleashed the Holy Spirit on the church. But having said that, limited time to accomplish the mission. And what matters the most is a great scene in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, when Peter and his companions, the text says in the, in the original Greek that they're hunting for Jesus. Where is this guy? There's a, there are people you know, packed to the gills outside the house, in and out of the house. They, they want their healings. They want their exorcisms. And they find Jesus praying. Are you not wasting time? There are actual people to serve. And he says, guys, we've got to move on to the next town because I've just got my marching orders from my father. We've got to go to the next towns so we can preach the word, the message of the kingdom, for that is why I was sent. Now, the healings, the exorcisms are super important because, yes, God wants shalom for each person, total wholeness of mind, body, soul, harmony with with God, people, creation. And this is what it's going to be like in the new heavens and the new earth for sure. And we're not just, uh, you know, we do need to take care of the earth that we have now. Absolutely, 100%. But the salvation of souls is the primary mission. And we have to care about everything. We have to care about stewardship as well, of time, talent, treasure, the planet that we live on. That, that's all part of the deal because it's Catholic. It's universal. We care about everything. But there, there is a hierarchy of, and I think, I think what he was trying to get at, and, and obviously you disagree with him a little bit on that for sure, but is that he would say that, hey, the primacy is we've got to get the message of salvation out. And it's not being clearly enunciated in some quarters. In some quarters, obviously it is in a lot of other places, a lot of other sectors of the church for sure. So I, I, I think um, that that's part of it there. And and obviously the, the idea of mercy, grace, congratulations, you're a new dad. Appreciate that, Dominic. That, that's great, great news to hear. And, and certainly being a dad gives you such a different insight into, at least it did for me, and how God cares for each one of us. I mean, the love that he has for, for, for each person is far greater than the love for, you, know, you can take all the mothers in the world and the love they have for their children, which is enormous, and, and God's love for one individual's soul is more than that, infinitely more than that. It's hard to fathom. But but yeah, the, the the idea that we 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 do have to rely on God's mercy. It's I always look at it's like a law firm. There's a major partner and a minor partner. We're definitely the minor partner. Christ is carrying the vast bulk of the work here, but we still have to participate in that. We still have to have that passion. I think that's one of the reasons why Peterson is so popular among, especially men, young men, is because he he is encouraging people to be passionate about living and and just. And just giving them a vision for life. And this is ultimately what Christ gives us. And we've got to be excited about that. And just, just one more thing. You said a lot of stuff, but you mentioned a community that you're a part of and that there were so many like-minded people together who are passionately pursuing their faith and on fire. And that, that fire is contagious. I do think when you get a critical mass of people like that, it is super inspiring and attractive to others. Uh, recently, I mentioned this a few days ago when I was in Chicago uh, a couple months ago, visiting the worldwide headquarters of Relevant Radio, and I, I happened to take in a Sunday Mass at St. John Cantius Parish, and it was the traditional Latin Mass, but it was, it was absolutely packed to the gills with young couples, young families, like, I mean, I'm talking like people in their 20s, married, having children, more than one child, at a relatively, it's not really an early age given the history of humanity, but in recent years, I mean, it's been, that's, that's I mean, I guess the way, 
society has changed, okay? I'm not saying this is a good thing either. But in the old days, quote-unquote, you would be married with children when you were pretty young. But but it was it was striking for, to me to see these young, like, totally passionate, on-fire, Orthodox Catholics. And just, man, this is, like, super attractive to people. I, I, I can... I, and, and anyways, I... I I do think there is there is strength in numbers to a certain degree there. Anyways, I'm kind of rambling here, so let's let's keep going here. Let's go to Nathan in Austin, Texas. Nathan, how are you? Hey, Kale. Good. Can you hear me? I sure can. Yeah, loud and clear. Okay, good deal. Um, I was just I'll try and you know bring my thoughts together on this. There's about, got a bunch of different thoughts on that. One kind of that you kind of made me think about right now is related to the traditional Latin mass and what the churches, you know, the decisions have been on that, that instead of doing something that apparently is working, they're trying to get rid of or stop that from, from occurring. And I think in general, the, the top parts of the church have kind of lost that vision or that sight of what the main goal is, which you've already been talking about, which is just basically the first thing is saving souls. And it's, you know, now it's more concerned about global warming and things like that, or at least it's giving it mm. similar levels of concern. And clearly that is not the job of the church. That's something an NGO does or something like that, but not the Catholic Church. We're all about souls. Jesus wasn't talking about saving the earth. He was talking about saving souls. And I'm a biologist by training also. I mean, I do that for a living. And I, I mean, even that... I know my faith comes before, you know, my my career or vocation or whatever. But I think clearly, um, really in the last 60 years, I, I don't, I know I'm not wanting to beat on Vatican II or anything like that, but it does seem like the things they supposedly were trying to do in Vatican II, they're, they, they didn't work. They're not working. They're not attracting people back, the level of leaving actually increased like the decade after Vatican II when all the changes came in. And and then they've just continued to do that ever since. So I don't understand why, you know, some of our highest leaders are just so, in the church, are so focused on things that obviously are not working, while at the same time <laughs> trying to stamp out the few things that do seem to be working. Yeah, I mean, I, I think those, those are fair comments, Nathan. I mean, to, to you do sort of question why certain decisions were made. Uh, you know, is this prudential? How does this help? Um, and and at the end of the day, um, you and I don't don't have control over you know what comes out of the Vatican offices. We we don't. But we what we can do is control what's going on in front of us at the local level. Uh, our, our worship of God, uh, the way that we are trying to become saints. Um, and this is really all we can do is, is to become a saint and try to help other people to become a saint. That, that's it. Take as many people to heaven with us as possible, please, God. This is the call of our baptism, holiness and apostolate. That's, that's what it all boils down to. So we all have the chance to make an impact in our immediate environment, for sure. And uh, we let God take care of the big, big picture, big ticket items. Um, believe me, his hands are still on the wheel of human history. And um, it's not out of control. It's not out of control. But, but yeah, it's, it's, I think the, the primacy of, and, and certainly I would say too that, you know, Catholics are called to be 
salt and light and bring their Catholicism into every area of life. And so maybe the, you know, one, I guess one could make the argument that, that, you know, science, you know, documents regarding scientific questions about um, whether or not global warming is a real thing, probably one could make the argument, maybe those documents should not be the focus of Vatican teaching. I don't know. I mean, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm not the Pope. I, I, I would not presume to tell him what to write about or not write about. But certainly Catholics, individual Catholics, who are in those fields, like you're a biologist, to be a, a Catholic in that field, or a Catholic politician. I know that sounds like maybe uh, something that might cause one to chuckle, but but bring, bring your faith to bear in those those serious questions about economics, about policy, about... Uh, all kinds of different civil issues. That's where the church can really make a huge impact as well. The principles, the values that we bring to the table, and and just just being excellent in our fields. Number one uh, is is super important. Without without trying to to you know obviously you can't check your faith at the door. Just like you're you're hanging your hat on the coat rack when you when you enter the office. That that's ridiculous. Uh, the unity of of our faith. Um, is very, very important. The unity of our person is very, very important. But nonetheless, I, I, I see what you're saying. Like, there's certainly many people out there who say, you know, let the experts be the experts on these issues and let's focus on the theological message, which is really what we ought to be focusing on. Although, although it does apply, our theology, our faith does apply to various practical questions of life and stewardship, for sure. But thank you so much for your call, Nathan. Really, really appreciate that. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Let's go to, real quick, let's go to Dee in Phoenix. Welcome back, Dee We haven't heard from you in a while. Well, I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> Too busy to call? I'm offended. No, anyway. Well, but this really got my dander up. <laughs> okay, okay. wow. Well, we, we don't want that. Okay, wait a minute. The dander is up. And, and it's uh, a, just a very uh, short <laughs> a disclaimer. I'm a fierce Catholic. Okay. And regarding Peterson, to me, what he is saying is, is a false theological ranting and raving. Uh, he's F- taking false how? Some, How's it false? I'm going to tell you. Okay. He's taking some Catholic beliefs, beliefs out of context. Out of context, he is not a theologian, and he's only preaching to the choir, his group. That's it. That's all he's doing. That's it. Okay, what, That's what is he taking out of context? Everything. How so? Everything. Well, uh, salvation is the most important thing. Uh, carrying our cross, isn't that what Jesus told us to do? Isn't he the the son of God? Isn't he uh, one of the blessed, most blessed, uh, he is of the blessed Trinity? What more do you want? What more proof do you need? That's it. Yeah, but, but, that, but that's what Jordan is saying, though. He's saying that that, that message needs to be emphasized, that taking up one's cross, the cost of discipleship. All you have to do is read the Gospels, and the Gospels are presented every Sunday in the Catholic Church. That's it. I don't see what the, what the issue is. Personally, read the Bible. 
Yeah, I think uh, okay, Didi, thanks for thanks for for your for your time and thanks for calling in. Um fit me into your busy schedule there, but but having said that, um and you can call back anytime, Didi, you know that. But but I think what he's not saying is he's he doesn't he doesn't have any issue with the Bible not being proclaimed. The Bible is clearly proclaimed in the Catholic Church. The, the Bible is absolutely it's masterful, if you will. It, the, 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 the Bible is all over the Mass, and, and the Mass is saturated with the Bible, especially in the Liturgy of the Word, especially on Sundays where you've got four readings. You've got the Old Testament reading, got the New Testament reading, you've got the Psalm, you've got the Gospel. I mean, it's, there's a lot of Scripture there. I think his, his, I mean, and he didn't say this in so many words, but I'm assuming that his issue is with the proclamation of Scripture, with, with the preached message, with... Perhaps the issue of sin, repentance, the cost of discipleship is not being emphasized enough. And you can disagree with that. And, and like I said, your mileage may vary, as they say. Why MMV? Because in, in many parishes, in many dioceses, in many you know pockets of the church, it's being proclaimed with beautiful fullness. Um, and, and so, but I think this is just sort of a general sense, a general sense that he has. Um, Anyways, and you can, like I said, you're, you're free to uh, to disagree with that. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Jim, do I have time to take a, a quick phone call here? Okay, okay. We'll, t- we'll take a take a quick break here, but, but just one one quick thing I wanted to say before the break because another caller talked about Vatican II. When you read the Vatican II documents, okay, the Vatican II documents themselves are very very solid. They're very very solid. I remember when Pope Benedict was elected. There was a guy in my parish. This is just a quick story, Jim. Don't worry. We'll get to it. We'll get to break in just a second. But guy in my parish said, this is an absolute disaster. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, he's going to tear down everything the Vatican II stood for. <laughs> like, he was at Vatican II. He was involved with Vatican II. And which, which elements of Vatican II do you think he's actually going to want to tear down? What, what, what paragraphs and which documents do you think he's going to try to excise? Most people who, who talk about that, who talk about the so-called spirit of Vatican II, have never read the documents of Vatican II, number one. But obviously, the, the council was hijacked in the sense that many people used, and there's always a period of confusion after a church council as things get implemented. They use it as a jumping-off point to bring in their own agenda, and that certainly happened, no question about it, in the late 60s, in the 70s. But one of the things that, that Pope John Paul II and Benedict tried to do, I think this is really the focus of their pontificates in many ways, especially JP II, was giving the authentic interpretation of Vatican II. This is what it was really all about. When you read the papal encyclicals of JP II, they're really about, this is what Vatican II was trying to say. I'm just going to kind of give the Coles notes on it, if you will, and ex- explicate it a little bit more fully. So I think that's, in many ways, that's what was going on. But we got to get to break. That's a whole other show for another day. You're listening to The K.O. Clark Show. Want to hear more from you? 888 We'll get to more of your calls right after this. 888 This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. We've been talking about the uh, it, pretty pretty intense comments that, that Jordan Peterson made in a recent interview about the state of the Catholic Church. Called a lot of the messaging, quote-unquote, shallow, um, not really promoting this great adventure of picking up one's cross and following 
Jesus, not challenging enough. And uh, you guys have had a lot of takes on this. Let's go back to the phones right now, 888-914-9149. Let's go to Jen in L.A. Hi, Jen. First time caller. Hello. Hey, welcome. Welcome. Glad you're here. Yes, thank you. Same here. Yeah, I just want to say, um, I tend to agree with uh, Jordan Peterson that the church okay. needs to be challenged. Um, in my experience, in, in the parish that I, I'm with, nobody talks about sins anymore. Nobody talks about sins. And um, also, I had this experience a few years ago. Hey, about Jen, Jen, I don't know if you can hear me, but can you, can you try speaking? Just uh, You're sounding a little bit muffled right now. Can you just talk more clearly into the phone? Hello? Yes. Oh, that's better. That's better. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just want to share that um, a few years ago, we had this uh, thing during the Holy Week of Good Friday for the seven last words. And Mm. there were like seven um, parishioners who were chosen to to share about their life. And the the week before that, we had a run through of what we're going to say during, um, you know, the Good Friday. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned about my my sin, my, you know, my abortion. And after that, the, the priest and the coordinator went to me and said that I can't mention that word, that people would be scandalized. And I said, it's my sin. And, mm. you know, God came to, to, to save me from, from my sins. This is what Holy Week and Easter is all about, about the mercy of God, the love of God for me. And, so um, I, I told my kids about that, and they said, Ma, shake the church, shake the church. Let them know about the, the, you know, the, the love of God for, for my family, because I never wanted to have kids. But then, because of, of, you know, of my um, faith and I, I turned to the church, I mm-hmm. have five children. I was blessed with five beautiful children. Wow. And this is what's happening right now. Even so, um, in, in my parish, you can you can talk about sins. You can talk about crosses. People are scandalized. And we need to, to have this, you know, we need to have this um, proclaimed so, yeah, so the J- salvation so J- of God for you. Absolutely. And J- Jen, just to, just to be clear on what, what you're saying here, because uh, your, your line kind of broke up. I couldn't hear you for a couple seconds. You're, you're basically saying that you were in the RCIA program, correct? No, I am not. I am I'm no, no. with a group. Uh, Go okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. Just, but you were. I don't know what the situation was, but what the context was. But you were, you were told that you could not share your testimony. You were, you were asked not to share that you had had an abortion in the past, because it might scandalize people. Am I hearing that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they said that um, just use termination of pregnancy, which is what people don't understand what termination of pregnancy is. A sin is a sin, and my sin is murder. You know, abortion. So why can't I talk about it? So when people, some people after that, it was like um, a thing during the Holy Week. Um, it's uh, during the seven last words. And seven okay. people talked about, you know, the, the, the words, the first okay, word. Gotcha, or gotcha. Word. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Seven last words from the cross. Yeah. That, that, that's, um, that's really tragic because your story of forgiveness and redemption would, I mean, there had to have been someone else in the crowd who had, you know, maybe their life had been touched in some way uh, by the sin, been involved in it personally, or knew somebody that had. And hearing that might have given them hope and might have 
maybe cause them to repent if they hadn't yet done so. You never know. And, and just, I just think the idea of censoring someone's testimony, because we don't want people to hear that word, that's absolutely ridiculous and preposterous. I, I can't believe that. But I'm glad you had the, I'm, I'm sure you had the courage to go through with it, Jen. You talked mm-hmm. about it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's good. Well, God bless you. You know, it, um, it's a great, great, thing to hear that there is hope on the other side. There, there's no sin that's beyond the reach of God and his forgiveness and mercy. And it's one of the great, great emphases of this season of Lent and Easter coming up. And what's the unfor- what's the unforgivable sin, quote unquote? It's just simply not not asking for forgiveness, thinking God can't forgive me. It's really giving into this sin of despair. There's really there's two ditches on either side of the road. Chesterton talked about that. One ditch is called presumption. God must forgive me. I'm in. I'm Catholic. I've always been a Catholic. Uh, I'm going to make it. You know, I'm special. <laughs> well, we all, we are, we are all special, of course, but uh, we have to repent and, and, and get in his grace once again. And, and then the other ditch on the other side of the road, of course, is despair. It's this idea that God can't forgive me. Both are wrong views. And Christ is, of course, always willing to forgive. But he doesn't want to leave us there. Like he said to the woman who had been caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Once he gets back on the right road. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. Thank you so much, Jen. Call back again. Thanks for being a first-time caller. Sharon is in Austin, Texas. Hi, Sharon. Hi. Uh, what I wanted to say is the church will survive, but what we've got right now after Vatican II is a lot of people have not gotten the correct education in the faith. I've got, uh, there's CCD teachers that don't know their faith. There's, uh, um, yeah, catechism, like sort of a failure of catechism. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, school teachers, Catholic school teachers that aren't even Catholic. How can they share their faith? Well, it's, it's so true, Sharon. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't give what you don't have. You simply can't give what you don't have. And and that sounds simple, it sounds trite, but it, but it's absolutely true because really any, any sharing of the faith that we do, it really has to come from the, the overflow of our interior life. And so, and salvation isn't a pop quiz. Uh, it's not, do you know the right answer? Uh, when you read the book of James, the letter of James, he says, hey, look, the devil knows exactly who Jesus is. The demons know and they shudder. They're, they're terrified. They, they know who he is. When Jesus was doing exorcisms again in, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, he's exercising a demon, and he says to Jesus, I know who you are. The, well, it's not knowing who, you, who he is. It's becoming obedient to him. So we do have to have the knowledge for sure, because you can't love someone that you don't know. We do have to learn the scriptures, learn the character of Christ read our catechism, get the formation. Relevant Radio is a good place to get formation. It's really this great apostolate of formation through the media. But it's not just knowing about. We actually have to have that, that commitment, that relationship with the one we love. And, and that, that's a lifetime. That's, that's, that's the goal of a lifetime and, and somewhat like a marriage where you're always discovering new things about your spouse. <laughs> you know, why do you leave the cap off the toothpaste? No, like mundane things like that, but also deeper things too. And, and our life with Christ, we're, we're going to learn more about him. We're, we, the journey does not end. You haven't graduated. You know, it's not like confirmation is graduation. That's the way we used to think about it as kids. No, that's only the beginning. That's only the beginning. 
And that's only the beginning, but unfortunately, we've come to the end of another episode. We've run out of time once again. Uh, but what a, what a joy, what a pleasure it was to spend this hour with you on the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. I want you to keep it locked in. Download the podcast if you missed any of the episode. Check out our series on Jonah, the Lenten journey with Jonah on the Faith Explained. Perfect for Lent this week. Uh, you're going to want to get that on the Relevant Radio app. Share the podcast with a friend. Stay tuned. Timory is back, back from her time off. She's going to be up next on Trending. And then Father Rocky's at Ave Maria with Bishop Frank DeWayne. Great bishop. I know that guy. Don't miss the family rosary across America on the road. Jim Shaper produced. Miranda Sinisaros took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.